ladies and gentlemen, boys, girls, them, they, folks who don't identify. Ha! You are listening to Ratchet and Respectful. It's one of those days, y'all. Let me just warn you in advance. Today's episode has no structure. I have no notes. I have a general overview of things that I think I want to talk about. But, like, I'm not in a good mood. I think I blew it with him. I think I've ruined everything. Um, I'm on some real fuckboy shit right now. Like, I have commitment issues. And, like, I've completely fucked this up. So I'm not in a good mood. Plus, it's, what, 12, 16? I've already started drinking red wine because it's afternoon. It's after 5 somewhere, not on this coast or the east, but maybe, like, somewhere in, like, Ghana. It's, like, after 5, so let's, like, pretend I'm there. (sighs) This is one of those episodes where I have no business in front of a microphone, but thankfully... And sometimes, unfortunately, I edit my own episode so I can like rant and rave and go back and like edit out like anything I say that's excessively crazy. But I may not do that today because in addition to me being like a glass case of emotions and in addition to me drinking red wine, I'm on glass too. But it's also 89 degrees in L.A. right now. Like, I I don't want to be sitting in my house at this microphone. Like, I'm happy to talk to you. I really am. But really, I would like to be by my pool right now. Maybe when I'm done recording, I'll do my editing by the pool. And as I'm sitting here talking to you, the printer is texting me to tell me that like some of the hoodies that I want, the sizes will not be available in time for the drop, which I'm just, I'm very frustrated. Now it's looking like I'm only doing one drop. I'm not comfortable with announcing a date yet. I like to have my stuff in house so that if you are paying your good money, I can guarantee that I'm shipping it to you within a certain time frame. Speaking of which, y'all saw that drama with, um, I don't feel bad talking about it because it's not gossip, it's news. With Dana Chanel, I don't know if any of you follow her. She's a, she's an influencer. She has the Curl Bible. She has Jumping Jack Taxes. She has a, a few other things that she does. I followed her for a while, but something just wasn't gelling for me. Um, I don't really like being, I don't know what's the word, sold oversold, I guess. If you ever take like a a marketing class, like influencer marketing, one of the things that they tell you is you can sell your audience products, but it shouldn't feel like it's your page is like a constant commercial. Like your audience who tuned in for you before you were selling product, there was something about your page that they enjoyed. They'll tolerate a post every once in a while that's a commercial. But if everything feels like a commercial, like they're constantly being sold something, they tune out. And I think that's what happened to me with her page, right? So Didn't really know anything else about her. Pretty woman, pretty husband, pretty baby, business successful. And so I was like looking at her page to like, you know, see what I could learn from, you know, how she conducts. Separate the wheat from the shaft. I I got what I needed to get. And then I was like, I don't think this is working for me. So tuned away. She lives in Pennsylvania. The state's attorney has filed suit against her for basically being a scammer. So she had the curl Bible and then she had the jumping jack taxes. And I think what the suit is about is another business that she had where she was helping people build apps for their business brands or whatever. So she was charging them, I want to say like $250 a month, but she wasn't delivering on the apps. And so I think that's where the lawsuit has generated from. So essentially, she's taking people's money and not delivering product. And so I've really been hard on myself about like the the push of the... um the drop dates for this merchandise. But I've also just really been clear is that I don't want to put things on sale that I'm not able to deliver in a timely fashion. Now, sometimes things happen, like I put things in the mail or there's shipping delays or 
you know, like the wrong product gets sent. Like, you know, somebody ordered a large and they get an extra large. So we've got to do like a refund and a replacement and all of those things. That's just a part of doing business. But I hated announcing a date that the merch was going on sale and then having to push it. But then I was also like, I think like people can forgive a date being pushed much easier than they can forgive. Like, you know, Heffa, you took my money and you ain't shit my shit, which is the situation that old girl is running into. I'd like to give her the benefit of the doubt and say that, you know, maybe she was overwhelmed with the amount of, um, amount of people who wanted to use her business. And so maybe she like, you know, some, some balls got dropped, but also, also if you drop the balls on shit and you don't deliver, you just got to give people refunds. It's annoying because sometimes the money's already spent, but it's more annoying to the customer who's like, I paid my money for this service, this product, this whatever, and it hasn't come yet. So like, where my shit at? So if you can't deliver it, which is what I wanted, then run me my money back, which fair. But apparently she wasn't running folks their money back and it was enough folks. It wasn't just like one or two or three or four. Um, It was a lot of folks for the state's attorney to file a suit against you. So girl. In fairness, it took her a while to respond, but you know, okay, like she got to get her ish together because, you know, it was on the shade room and a couple other sites. She denies any wrongdoing. And usually I, I hold reservation on stuff like this. Um, what she said sounds like bullshit, but she and her husband posted a video and she asked people to respond with stories of, of how they were posit- positively impacted by her businesses. And she says, quote, we're fighting for our livelihood and integrity. Judge us by our fruit. Don't let the pressure of cancel culture promote fear in your heart for what is right or jump on a bandwagon if you've never done business with us. These last few years, we've watched cancel culture cause so many entrepreneurs and consumers be at odds with no resolution. And even more devastatingly, watch black leaders feud with other black leaders, setting back our culture's unity, bring confusion to our community and feeding our flesh and egos with drama and chaos. Where do we go to mitigate with our own? It's not something we're willing to participate in. And we discipline our focus, blah, 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 blah. Girl, did you take these people money or not? And if you took these people money, refund it. There's nothing to say and there's no suit to file. If if somebody was like, I gave you my money, you didn't give me what I asked for. And when I reached out to you, you refunded me. Just to be completely transparent as an entrepreneur, especially with the first round of this merchandise last year, I got a lot of shit wrong. And people were like, hey, D, you sent me the wrong thing. You sent me the wrong size or my thing didn't get delivered. And some of it, it was like, my bad. Sometimes mistakes are made. So either I ship you your new thing or I refund your money. You were supposed to deliver something and people paid you and you weren't able to deliver, you refund the money. You talking about cancel culture and perceptions and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, sis, but I've also seen the other pages with lots of people who were saying that you took their money and you didn't deliver. So refund them. That's what they want. They want their money back. So hopefully they can, you know, get it together. Being sued by the state's attorney ain't no little thing. That means they've done an investigation on on the claims that people have made against you and they find them credible and they're willing to move forward with literally a lawsuit. I hope them people's money that you took that you didn't refund because that's how you ended up in this situation. I hope you got a good lawyer. And we're not talking about little amounts of money. Like she was charging people's accounts. I want to say like $250 a month. Folks work hard for their money. I'm just saying. That wasn't even on my list of things to talk about. Not that there's like a formal list today, but there's a list in my head. One of the things I want to talk about is this Will Smith book. I would have been posting this podcast earlier if I had not been on the goddamn Instagram 
on Charlemagne's page, looking at his unboxing video. Charlemagne is doing unboxing videos. It's actually freaking wonderful because Charlemagne's so excited about it. He's completely fanning out. But Will Smith has these amazing gift boxes. Like you thought Beyonce was doing something with those Ivy Park boxes. Will Smith has like, I see your Ivy Park boxes and I raise you a Will Smith. Like, have you seen these boxes? Carry yourself to Charlemagne's page. It's a posting from maybe like two to three days ago. He's unboxing his Will Smith gift box. You know how I feel about a good budget well spent. I can be very frugal, but if you go and like release the coins, I want to see the good quality of the release. Because some people can spend, but they don't spend well where it looks like worth the money. This good coin, well spent. This was good USD dollars and dineros well spent. So one, I want you to go to Charlemagne's page, but if you're not going to go, I want to describe for you what this box looked like. And I watched this video like three times and like my mouth dropped every time because it's so fabulous. So there's this box, right? It's a brown box. There's an imprint of Will Smith's face on the top of the box. And it's a big box, a totally big box. Four sides of the box, W-I-L-L. So a letter on each side of the box. On top of the box, there's a key. You have to use the key to unlock the box to open it. You have to turn the key three times. Each time you turn, one side of the box opens, another side of the box opens, another side of the box opens. So three sides of the box. One side talks about love, I want to say another side talks about fear. Maybe the other one talks about hope. Don't quote me on that because I've been drinking. So Charlemagne is like reading what, you know, the definitions of love are, the definitions of fear are, and the definitions of maybe this other thing that might be hope is. So also in the box, there is a letter that says, take the V from love. So you can pick it up and you take it and you place it in this other, other piece. And then the fourth part of the box opens. So Charlemagne places the V in the little V slot, as the card says, and then the other side of the box opens and Will Smith's book is inside. It's like this glowing light. Okay. You know how like when you get gel nails, you have to like put your hand inside like the little thing and it lights up with like the blue light. So it's like, that's what Will Smith's book is sitting inside of. So it's like an illuminated box and like, it looks like the book is glowing. And then Charlemagne reaches in and pulls it out. And I was like, yo, this budget, this budget, this classy ass budget, like, oh, oh. honestly, I think I got moist, like looking at this marketing. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And I get good boxes, like from good companies, like especially during COVID when there was no events, like a gift box from some company promoting something was coming in this house or to my parents' house. People still think I live in D.C. People still send stuff to my parents' house. It's so weird. My mother loves unboxing my stuff, by the way. Like she gets really excited about it. That's not the point. The point is it was amazing unboxing. I really want you to go to Charlemagne's page and look at this unboxing. I know everyone doesn't get as excited about marketing stuff as I do, but like it's beautiful. It's, it's good coin, well spent. Oh, also about Will Smith. So remember, I wanted to talk about Will Smith's book and I had some thoughts about Will Smith and the marketing and the rollout of this book, right? And I was like, I want to save a longer conversation because he had that interview with Oprah that last time we spoke, or actually the time before last, when we spoke last Friday, I hadn't had a chance to watch the Oprah interview that he did. And I was like, I'll make my determination about whether I'm going to buy this book based on that. 
I'd already watched the interview and decided I was going to get Will Smith's book by the time I saw the Charlemagne box. But had I not watched the interview and just saw the Charlemagne box, I was like, I have to get this shit on GP just because I, I want the marketing people to get a raise. That's how beautiful this box was. But the Oprah interview, I have many thoughts. One of which is I would like to take back my thoughts from two episodes ago about Will Smith and the rollout of this book. And I say that because on a previous episode, I spoke about how the media had been manipulating Jada's comments about her sex life with Will. And there were all these headlines saying that Jada was frustrated with her sex life or they had to work really hard at their sex life or they were having problems with sex in their marriage, whatever. And what she said in totality was essentially that in order to have like, you know, the best sex possible with your partner, you have to communicate your needs. But the spin on it was something entirely different. So I recognized it when it came to Jada and I did not recognize it when it came to Will. So in a previous conversation on this podcast, I was like, I don't like the things that Will Smith is saying. I feel like maybe it's disingenuous. It's like changing my perception of him. And I don't like it because I'm reading the very salacious headlines about how he's got like a newborn baby and a brand new wife and he's in love with his co-star or the things that he was saying about his father. He wanted to kill his dad. Things that he said about Tupac, which which actually didn't bother me as much, but I was just like, I die first before I talked about being jealous of the ex of somebody that I was dealing with or feeling like I didn't compare. Like, even if I felt it, I'm not admitting that shit publicly. And I was like, Will, what are you doing? Like you built up this beautiful image that we like admire. And now it seems like you're going out of your way to tear it down. Or you're having like some passive aggressive public spat with your wife because she shares on her show, or maybe because she's very, very popular now almost on the same par of popularity as you, if not more so currently? Are you trying to compete in popularity with your wife? Like what's going on? So those are my thoughts, which I share. But I also want to say I was wrong. I watched the Oprah interview on Apple TV. She did this sit down with Will Smith to talk about his book. And Oprah started out and she said, you know, this is the best memoir that I've ever read. And she said, I've read a lot of memoirs. She also said that his new film, King Richard, she said, this is the best portrayal Maybe she said the most powerful, one of those big, big accolades, though, big accolades um, of this film. It's one of the best or most powerful um, presentations of a black family that she's ever seen. And like literally three minutes into the interview, like Will Smith is like tearing up, like he's very overwhelmed by Oprah's praise of him. And it seems very genuine, but he's also a good actor. You never know. But then Oprah said that, you know, like, I love this book and I'm going to dive into it. But I also she said, but I'm also doing this with the understanding that I only have an hour and change with you and I'm not going to do it justice. And I was like, oh, Oprah saying that, you know, as a you know professional interviewer for what, like 40 years that she doesn't think she's going to do it justice says something. And so I watched the interview and after listening to Will talk about his book, my takeaway is that he's a grown ass man who has lived. He's neither victor nor villain. He's had some really great highlights. He's also made a bunch of mistakes. And this book is laying, it's definitely not all, nobody shares all, but a lot of it on the table of what he's learned and how he's lived. The media 
which I am a part of. We don't always get it right. I think in this instance, I think in a lot of instances where it's come to the Smiths lately, we've been doing not so good a job. We've been doing a bad job, in fact. But the media is pointing out the most salacious parts of this book. And I'm not sure why, because honestly, with a sit down with Oprah was a little more highbrow and it dug way more into the living of it all, the life lessons of the mistakes that he made. Like, yes, he talked about his father abusing his mother, which terrible. But he also talks about like the lessons that his father taught him about getting through life and getting through adversity and how to be a man or how to be a good human. Because sometimes he say like, oh, be a man. Some of that stuff is really just like good lessons for everybody to know, man or woman or people who don't identify as either. But his story, given context, it seems very rich. And I don't mean rich as in money. I mean rich as in fullness, as in scope, as in breadth. I was very impressed with him watching the interview and the insight that he has about his life. And he says one of the reasons that he waited to to do this memoir until his mid-50s is he was like, I needed distance from the things that I did. It's like I needed to do self-work. Some of it and some of the stuff that he described is very like, you did what? Like you went into the wilderness and smoked what? Like, I'm not even being facetious when I said that. Like, he went into the wilderness and smoked some off shit to, like, open his mind for, like, eight to ten hours to, like, process his worst shit with a guide. And I was like, I mean, it worked for you. Okay. Um, But he was like, I needed to do my self-work to give myself perspective, to to open up myself, to be accountable to myself, be willing to face my shit, and then be willing to be publicly vulnerable. And I was like, oh, a grown-ass man is speaking. And he's blessing us with his lessons. I'm excited about the book. When I finished the interview, I immediately went on Amazon and I ordered the book. I thought about getting the the audio version because I really wanted to hear his voice and his inflections. Like I like the way that he tells his stories because Oprah kept asking him. She was like, oh, I read in the book. And she's like, can you tell us the story about, you know, this thing? And he would tell the story in his own words. And like, I like the way that he structures a story so I kind of wanted to hear him read it but I also am just you know very old school and nerdy in the way that I like to flip pages of a book and I like to like write notes in the margin and as currently I'm working on my and currently I'm working on my own book of essays I wouldn't necessarily say that it's a memoir but it's um the significant events in my life that have pivoted me in different directions I guess that you would sort of say make me who I am or make me think the way that I do have the outlook that I do. That's what I'm working on. So I like reading other people's memoirs in the midst of that because it triggers thoughts about things, memories sometimes that I may have forgotten about. So I'm actually excited to read this book. I'm hoping that like tomorrow, which is also going to be like in the eighties, I think today's like the highest of the eighties, but tomorrow I think it's like 85. I would love to sit by the pool, if not the beach, and just devour Will Smith's book. It, I don't know how many pages it is. That thing, I told you last week, that thing is like war and peace. And I was like, bruh, how much are you sharing? But based on the Oprah interview, I think he's sharing, again, I told you, not all, but a lot. But I'm looking forward to his his insights there. And I'm really glad that I watched the Oprah interview. So I would encourage people who have not watched the Oprah interview, if you're still on the fence about this Will Smith book and you're just like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, watch the Oprah interview. And make a determination for yourself. Like you may watch it and be like, he's an actor and he's full of shit. And he's trying to like, you know, clean up this mess that his wife's lover created when he went public with 
his own story, which again, right to do. It was his, it was his story to tell, but the Smiths have sort of been in a public crossroads since then. Although Will was like, yeah, that was resolved in our household, like long before that. So it wasn't a crossroads for us. Like y'all found out about some shit that we'd already been dealing with. So, okay. What else is going on? I've been watching The Bachelorette. I said I was going to recap this season because I was excited. I was like, oh, there's another black girl. And the black girl, Michelle, that is the lead this season, I liked her when she was on the season with the first black bachelor. Him, I was on the fence about. But her, I really liked. He didn't pick her, of course. He went with the white racist woman who goes to plantation parties instead. Then embarrassed her on national television further. I mean, she didn't embarrass herself. But he played her so far to the left during the reunion. And then he got back with her. And apparently they're like, you know, all in it. They've been like parading around. They've been seen in many places. Like he's like happy with his white racist. I think Michelle dodged a bullet, but I felt bad for the way that she um, was treated. But so now she has her own season and some people are good at supporting cast and that's just enough for them. And, and they don't do so well as leads. Michelle doesn't, um, she doesn't have enough personality. Very sweet girl, very nice. She's, she seems like a very nice woman. But she doesn't have um, enough personality to carry a show. And The Bachelorette is, like, long. Like, The Bachelorette is two hours per night. Like, it's a time investment to watch this show. And somebody who's going to be the focus of two hours needs to have enough personality to keep you engaged. And she just, she's a pretty girl. She's very sweet. She's kind. She has a good disposition it's just not for engaging television. And the guys that she has on the show, they're not engaging television either. And they've eliminated most of the unattractive guys. There are still a few left where it's just like, y'all not like cute enough and ain't got enough personality enough. And I'm just, eh, eh. So I haven't been watching regularly, even though I said like, I was like, oh, I'm going to recap it. Um, I've been late with the recaps. I've been skipping episodes and I've skipped episodes, even though I've tried to watch. But I put The Bachelorette on and I'd be knocked out. Like, I can put it on at 8 p.m., and next thing you know, I wake up, and it's 3 in the morning. It's just, it's not holding my attention. But this last episode, because I missed last week, so I went and watched this one, and it took me a couple tries, but I got through it. <sighs> Michelle got rid of who I thought was the best catch on the show. She's got an interest in two guys. One of them looks like Chris Brown with the earrings but no tattoos. A really attractive guy. Really attractive guy. And there's another guy that she had interacted with before the show, but he ghosted on her and two of them. And they're, they're okay guys. I'm, I'm still on the fence about the ghosting guy because I was like, I don't really believe in giving people a second chance to tell you that they don't want you. But Lord knows I've done it, especially in my 20s. So that's a mistake that, you know, folks got to learn for themselves. And I see Michelle making it. So, you know. But there was this one guy on the show that she hadn't shown a lot of attention to yet. But I was like, well, it's a matter of time because surely you won't get rid of him without, you know, at least exploring who he is. Because one, he's exceptionally attractive. His name is Romeo. The first time he spoke on camera, I was like, oh, he's giving like big father Obama energy. He has very much Barack Obama energy. Before I run down his resume, let me say this. He's an attractive guy with a good disposition And throughout the four episodes of the show that he was on, because spoiler alert, she got rid of him, which I was like, oh, girl, what are you doing? What are you doing, sweetie? But he has good energy. He didn't do anything stupid. He has a good disposition. He doesn't blow up. He's not too passive, but he's a really attractive guy. He's French and American. He's tall. 
He wears a good suit, well-tailored, keeps himself together, very nice. There's either good genetics or an investment in the teeth. You know how I am about teeth. He's really cute. And, and he's smart. He's got an undergrad degree from Harvard and he's got his PhD from my alma mater, NYU. And Michelle hadn't spent a lot of time with him, but I was like, surely you must notice this man. And surely you're going to give him the time of day. Definitely a one-on-one to like, you know, feel him out and see who he is and what he's about. Because like physically he's fine. And on paper, he's fine. Like you just gotta like give him a chance. She sent his ass home last night without so much as a, a date. And I was like, girl, do your eyes work? Now there's a, a disproportionate number of biracial men on this show this season. And this guy, if I saw him walking down the street, I wouldn't assume he was biracial. His dad is black. His mom is white, which I only know because I looked at his Instagram. Some of the other guys on the show who are biracial give very much biracial energy. I don't know if the number of biracial men is a reflection of an ask that Michelle had because she is biracial or the producers were like, oh, well, she's biracial. So she must want to date, you know, a bunch of biracial men. And I, I... I don't know what the logic is there, but dude deserved at least a conversation or the producers, if they had better sense for, especially the black woman viewing audience would have kept him on as, as eye candy for as long as possible. I think they're down to nine men after last night's elimination. And I was like, y'all should have kept him around at least until like the top three, four, five, something as many weeks as possible. Cause I would have tuned in just to like, you know, see if Michelle was going to get her senses together. And give old boy a good hard look, which she did not. And I was like, girl, is your picker wrong? Is your, are your eyes broken? I just, I don't know. You don't find too many with like those looks and that resume and that disposition. How many men do you ever see where you're like, oh, Father Obama energy? Like, that's good energy. You could have fuck around and be first lady, lady. Apparently that's not what she wanted. There's a bunch of other stuff we could talk about, but I'm not running my mouth all day. I told y'all I'm about to go out into this like 80 something degree weather. I don't even have my air on right now as I'm recording because you can hear it in the background. It affects the sound. So I'm sitting in my house hot as hell in the middle of November. Why am I leaving LA again? I'll be back. There's a bunch of other stuff we could talk about. Kanye, I'm skipping. I wanted to talk about Kanye and I know we said we were going to talk about Kanye when he was on Nori. I've had a change of heart about that. Only because I don't think Kanye is in his proper mind. And while he said many things on the show that people have quoted and people found funny and found very salacious, I thought, and I thought this while watching the interview the first time, I thought a lot of the shit that he said was just rude and crass. And I'm not sure if he was in his right mind, he would have said it. He talked about certain rappers and to us, who are not in the entertainment industry. Like we know these people as like Big Sean. We know them as common brand TM type people. But these are actually people who like, you've been to their house. You've kicked it with their wives and children. These are like people who are in your friend circle. People that you do work with and make money with. And you're getting on this platform and just dragging them? I got the sense when he was talking to Nori that he was like, he being Kanye, it was almost like the nerdy kid gets invited to like the cool circle and the cool circle being Nori, um, maybe because of the street cred, I don't know. But Kanye like was sitting at the table and it was almost like he was so giddy to be in the room, even though he's the bigger star. He was just doing whatever they do, like just trying to fit in and just like saying wild shit to like be accepted into the group. And I was like, you know, sir, he's a grown ass man. He's entitled to make bad decisions. But I think like that whole interview 
was a bad decision. Like, if you don't give a fuck about people's mental health, then you might look at it and be like, oh, it's so funny. It's like, he was so candid. There were some one-liners and it's comical and it's, it's audacious in the way that he just, you know, speaks freely like he's not on camera insulting people that have been good friends to him. It, it struck me not as a man who doesn't give a fuck. It struck me as a man with mental issues or no moral code or maybe both. So I didn't care for it. So I initially when I watched it, like it was so outrageous to me that I wanted to go through it like piece by piece and talk about like this is what he said and that's what he said. But just with a little further reflection, I was just like as a piece of entertainment, had it been scripted, so be it. And if he was in his, you know, wellness right mind. So be it. You want to, you know, nuke bomb your whole life. I mean, sometimes folks are inclined to do that shit. But just knowing what we know about Kanye, um, I just thought that was a really bad look. I don't think it's praiseworthy and I don't think it's funny. I think it's actually like really sad. And I hope that he gets the help that he needs. Oh, I thought I was done. There was something else I wanted to talk about. And it's relating to death. NeNe Leakes, her husband, Greg Leakes, um, after a four-year battle with cancer, passed away, I guess about... A month ago, maybe two months. And NeNe Leakes, she's done a couple interviews. She said a couple things. Some of them I found more appropriate than others. I'm giving her the in-morning pass. People in morning, fresh morning especially, sometimes they just be on some wild shit. I double blink and look away because, you know, she's going through it. And far be it for me to, like, you know, heap more damage on someone who's currently, you know, in a morning period. But NeNe did say something recently that I thought was interesting. It got a lot of attention. And I was like, I really don't see the problem. She did an interview. I think she went on The Real and she was talking about the number of men who have been showing up in her inbox since her husband's passing. She didn't say I'm open for business. What did she say? Let me go look. Oh, shoot your shot. So I don't know if, if she brought up dating or somebody asked her about dating. I think it was on The Real. I didn't go and watch the whole thing. I think it'll be a little crass to ask a woman whose husband just passed. Like, are you ready to date? And that's the point that I'm about to make. Like, I know he's gone beyond. One of my friends, her husband passed away after a battle with cancer and she's a close friend. Like we talk about like life, life, but I would never feel comfortable asking her like, were you ready to date? I feel like that's something that she will bring up and say, well, you know, I'm ready to date or something like that. And then we can have the conversation, but I wouldn't broach it. So I hope that in this situation, like it wasn't, you know, are you ready to date? But Nene, she's okay with people shooting their shot. And some people were like, girl, the man's just fresh in the ground. He ain't even been dead six months. And you talking about shoot your shot. To which I was like, I don't mean no kinds of disrespect. Greg Leak seemed like a very nice person. I don't mean no disrespect whatsoever. But good sir is gone on. Good sir is with the king. He not coming back. Nene, who saw her husband through a four-year battle with cancer. And she also said, she was like, he told me I want you to be happy. Once again, He's not here. It's not like he's over there. He's underneath or up beyond, but he's not here. So if she wants to date, I don't really see the problem. It's been two months. And I also feel like even though he's just passed recently, because it's been this four-year battle, it's been an ongoing decline over this time. He may have still been alive and was suffering. She was probably mourning the loss of her husband and the marriage while he was still here. Like I think about in the sense that um, both of my grandparents passed away. They have both been very sick for a very long time. And towards the end, they just had one health complication after another. So it was just like really brutal on their quality of life. I knew that the end was coming soon. It was a matter of time. And I'd already 
started mourning even when they were alive. And so I wonder if that's very similar to what Nini's experienced. Maybe her husband has only been deceased for a couple months, but in her mind, her grieving and mourning process began like a long time ago. So I don't know. I want folks to be happy. And again, no tea, no shade, no malice. Sir is not here. Sir has gone beyond. It's with the king now. There's so much more we could talk about. But y'all, I got to bring this to an end. I got to go outside and get some of this sun. I'm already in my winter color. It's actually been a little gloomy in LA like the last couple of weeks. I haven't been getting my proper amount of sunshine. So I'm not looking very melanated. So I'm about to wrap this up and go edit by the pool and see if I can just get like a little tinge of sun, just a little, just a little brownie. That is the episode for this week. Unfortunately, I know I did tell you that I would have an announcement on the, um, the merch drop, but I don't. And I don't want to give you a second date that's not going to work. I actually want to, you know, get it right the next time. So when I have it, I'll let you know. And thank you for your patience while I pull it all together the right way. So if you want Don't Waste Your Pretty merch, it is available on the site. So if you are plush and you would like Don't Waste Your Pretty hoodie, then they are still available. And I think the t-shirts are available, the white and gold. The tees and the v-necks are available, I think, in, I think I have at least like two or three, at least a few um, in the full range of sizes. And then, of course, the mugs. There's always mugs. So, so that is the episode for this week. And we will talk again on Tuesday. I'm looking forward to it. I hope you are, too. Okay, bye.